about this time every year growing up as a kid, uh, my grandmother, we called her Nanny, she would come over and get me and my sisters and she would take us to the mall to go Christmas shopping. And the way my nanny operated as we would go to the mall and find things that we liked at the toy store or even in a department store, and we showed it to her. As soon as we showed it to her, she said, well, do you want that? We say, yeah, we want that. And she would say, wrap it up, wrap it up as to give affirmation. It's yours. You're going to get it this year. It'll be your Christmas present. Wrap it up. And as I tell my friends that, they often thought, this is so weird. You already know everything your grandmother's going to give you before Christmas even arrives. But the reason my nanny did that, she wanted to make sure that she bought exactly what we wanted and that it fit, right? There was no taking it back. It was already going to be there. And so she would just rather take us, see us excited as she bought it for us. And she would just say, wrap it up. You won't see it till Christmas, right? And, and anybody else like that, anybody families like that, they shop for you right there in front of you. There's no mystery, no surprise, no, ah. Uh, and, and, and instead of you opening it later and you go, oh, a sweater, right? She wanted us to already know that we would enjoy it. Wrap it up. As I thought about that, even as I try to buy gifts, my, my grandmother, Nanny, is a gift giver. She loved that. And my mom, she's just like that too. Her gift, spiritual gift, is giving gifts. She loves that. I like giving gifts too, but can I just tell you this? I hate wrapping gifts. The whole wrapping it up, that's the part after I get done, it just looks like a mangled mess. I just, I just not like that. Matter of fact, in recent years, I'll even pay my kids to wrap presents. Sometimes even wrap their own presents, right? It's like, I just rather do that. And so I will say this, I know there's a God because praise God for gift bags and tissue paper. If I'm gonna wrap it, I wanna wrap it, just drop it in and go, here it is, it's done, right? Already done for you. But wrapping it up is where we're gonna go today. So again, good morning to you. Welcome here to our Stafford campus. I know it had been tempting to stay in bed today. I mean, it has been raining for several days in a row, and I'm so glad that you're here today. We're together today. Hey, welcome Fredericksburg. And, and matter of fact, Fredericksburg, uh, next Sunday, we want you to just take off meeting at Leland Station. We want you to come home. And come here for the break as we're going to have a time to gather both campuses all together over our opportunities. We've got six chances to worship, whether you come next Sunday morning or you come next Sunday evening or even Monday evening. They're all going to be identical. We just want you to come, and, and we don't want you to come alone. Invite somebody to come. Fredericksburg, invite somebody to come with you. And if you live locally and you're watching right now, would you pick one of those six experiences and just pick one to come? Uh, we want to just worship together in, pre in the presence presence of you and in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us this Christmas. And so let's just keep inviting. So again, welcome. Hey, as we come back to the story today, we're in a series called Check the Box, where we've been looking at kind of the motivation behind a lot of us in trying to get through Christmas. And so each week we've been looking at these encounters that Jesus, already grown out of the manger, but grown up Jesus, has by going into people's homes. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, week one, do you remember? Week one was the home of Martha, okay? A couple of you were here. Martha, and as Jesus went into her home, we got to kind of see that dynamic play out. Hey, last weekend, uh, we got to see Jesus go to the home of a prominent Pharisee. And so this weekend, we're going to pick back up, and this weekend, we're going to go to Luke 
in the New Testament, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to see Jesus go to another person's home. So if you have a Bible there, turn there with me to the New Testament, Luke chapter 5, and let's just see how the writer Luke records this account. Let's begin today in verse 27 after this. After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. What does Jesus say to him? Follow me. And the Bible tells us in that moment, Levi the tax collector got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Now, to understand the the kind of the tension in this story, in Jesus' day, a tax collector was a hated job. Israel, the nation of Israel hated paying the taxes to the Roman government. And so if you were working that job, not only was it a hated position, they often transferred that hate to hating the person that was the actual tax collector. And the way they would do it is they would sit them out there on this post. Rome would put them out there on this post and people would walk by in the mercantile area and the shopping areas. And that tax collector was to make sure that Rome got what was due to them. And he would always add a surcharge to make sure he got paid too. So to have this very job would put you in kind of a precarious situation because you're Jewish too. And you were hated for taking on this job. Now, the only upside to the job, it meant that you were going to be around money and it meant that you were going to have a job that was going to provide for you. It was going to be an affluent career. But you can kind of see the tension here. By Levi being a tax collector meant that he chose his job, he chose his career, he chose making money over being connected with his family. Because even his immediate family would hate him for the profession that he took up. And not only that, because his job dealt with uh, kind of maybe exploiting family members and extended community of Israel, it also had this interaction where he was going to interact with a lot of Gentiles, non-Jewish people, on a daily basis. And the Jewish community felt like if you interacted with Gentiles, it made you unclean. What does that mean? That means by him taking this job, not only is he going to be disconnected from family, he's also going to be disconnected from his worship. Because the temple didn't want somebody unclean, ceremonial unclean, coming into the worship gatherings. Now, I know this might be hard to believe that somebody would choose a job and making money over family. But let's just kind of go there in our holy imagination, right? Because if we're going to understand this encounter today, we got to kind of build the tension here, right? That, That this choice reveals that his identity is in what he does and what he makes. His security is in his paycheck and in his savings account. And possibly his idolatry is in this role as a tax collector. Now, if we begin to kind of see this, Let me share with you a little bit of the irony. The irony is is that the name Levi in the original Hebrew language means connected, yet he's choosing a job that's making him what? Disconnected. Are y'all with me yet? Come on, this has got to be a participation day. Are y'all with me yet? Come on, it's not raining in here yet, right? (laughs) Praise God. And as we look at this encounter today, I want you to see, because we have been looking at these stories saying, what's the people's motivations? 
Now, if we went all the way back to week one, we felt like Martha started in a good place. She's the one that invited Jesus to come to her house. But we quickly saw that her motivation was for what? It was for Jesus. It was for God, right? She's trying to do something for God. And what we realized is that can be an exhausting motivation of trying to always do things for God. And then we looked at the next week and we looked at this encounter with Jesus inviting the Pharisee, getting invited by the Pharisee to come to his house. And we saw quickly his motivation was what? He was trying to get something from God. You know, if Jesus is this guy that we think he is, guess what? He's going to come to my house and it's going to make me famous. I'm going to get something from him. And yet we know that those were inadequate motivations because God wants a relationship with us, right? It's all about being with. And so today what we're going to see, Levi the tax collector, he is kind of making a decision too. He's kind of doing life what? Over God. I'm kind of over God. I'm going to take this job. It's going to provide for me. It's going to take care of my life and my future. Am I going to be hated? Yep. Am I going to be on the outside? Yep. Am I going to not be able to worship? Yep. All those things. I'm kind of over that. I kind of want God in my life, but I don't want too much in my life. I just want enough to make me, what, be okay with who I am. And he's just going to live by good morals and principles of the Bible, but he's not really going to be participating in worship with God. Are you kind of seeing something here? You see, even in this tension, we begin to see that he's chosen proven formulas and principles and and over controllable outcomes, and he's choosing this way of living over surrendering to the one true God. He walked away from family, and he walked away from his religion to become a tax collector. Now, this encounter that we're going to look at today takes place in the Galilean region. What I love about that is that's an actual place. So let's just look on the map where it is. In Israel, there's this area of Galilee by the Sea of Galilee. And I've been to Israel only one time, but I'm telling you, this was my most favorite part of the trip. And you know why? It's the most untouched part. I mean, things are exactly as they were. You can just picture Jesus right there on the Sea of Galilee and visiting these towns. Even though there's ruins in some of these towns, things are there as if they were back in the days of Jesus. Now, I I love this because this next year I told you I'm taking a trip. And we've got a real small group that's going to go this first time uh, to Israel in the spring. But if you're interested at any level and you want to go, there's still a moment time to happen. If you want to sign up and go, just let me know by the end of the year so you can get on our list and go with us. But I'm telling you, I can't wait to go back to some of these places again. And, and see, Nazareth is on there, and I put that on there because that's where, that's where Jesus grew up, right? In Nazareth. But yet, the event that takes place today is Capernaum. And this is what I want us to see because this is where Levi's post is of where he collects taxes from the Jewish people in Capernaum. Now, what we don't know is this. is Before this encounter, did Levi and Jesus ever have an encounter before this? There's no record of it. Did Levi know of Jesus? Probably so because everybody was buzzing about Jesus in this area and they'd heard some of the things that had happened. But we don't know if they ever encountered until this moment. All we have record of is this very moment. And I want us to look at this moment a little bit closer. As we look here at this moment, unlike the Jewish community that can't stand Levi... Unlike the Jewish community, that the only time they interacted with him is when they had to pay a tax, so they probably snarled or muttered or murmured and didn't like him at all. They, they, would, they would avoid him. They saw him as an outcast. They didn't see him as one of them. 
That's how he's treated by Israel. But can you just imagine on this day, Jesus walks up, and what does Jesus do in this day? Come on. He goes all the way over to Levi, and he looks at Levi right there in his eyes, and he talks to Levi as if he's an actual person, and he even calls him by name. And he says, follow me. Follow me. Can you imagine how radical this is? Somebody that, that kind of chosen this life of disconnect and all of a sudden now he's having this moment and this guy says, I want you to follow me. Listen, he is so overwhelmed that he's being accepted, that he's being included, that he's being invited. What does he do? The Bible says he drops everything and begins to follow Jesus. This doesn't even really make sense that he would even leave this job as a tax collector to follow. Now, check this out. If you read through the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, you would see Jesus being recorded as preaching to these crowds and teaching to these crowds. But when you get to chapter 5 in Luke, come on, are you with me? When you get to chapter 5, it's like something changes and we get to see Jesus interacting with the person. Now, come on, just look with your Bible real quick. It starts off with him first calling uh, Simon Peter, the fisherman, right, and calling him to be a disciple. And then we get to see him call James and John, his fishing partners, also to come follow, right? And then we get this story about Jesus healing a man that has leprosy. And then there's this story, this strange story where these four friends lower their friend through the roof and gets all the way to Jesus. And Jesus recognizes him and recognizes the four friends' faith. And then he has this moment with them. And it's then we get to this encounter where Jesus meets Levi. Woo, this is so good. There's something in this encounter where it shows us that Jesus loves preaching, teaching to the crowds, but he loves the person. And there's something here I want you to see because in this idea of checking the box, we have been looking at this box and saying, okay, it's a box of obligation. That was week one. Come on, it's a box of comparison. That was week one as well. And then it was last week, a box of pride. Come on, wasn't that a heavy sermon for us at Christmas? I know I walked out of here going, amen, ouch, that hurt one, right? But today we're gonna look at a box, but this time the box is gonna be presented from Jesus. Jesus is the giver of this box. And today he's giving this box to Levi. And when Levi opens this box, he finds out that the gift of his box is what? It's the gift of an invitation. I love this. Jesus, the son of God, sees this dirty guy that's the tax collector that's hated by everybody else in, in this community. And what does he do? He sees this guy and he sees something different. You see, Jesus' invitation reveals how Jesus sees people. And you know how Jesus sees people? He sees people like this. Everybody is somebody. Come on, isn't that good? Everybody is somebody. That's how Jesus sees people. Everybody is somebody. Come on, does that speak something to you today? What does that mean if somebody goes from being an everybody to being a somebody? It means this. It means you matter. It means you matter. It means I love you. It means you can be forgiven. It means you have been included. It means you can also come and follow me. 
There's something so good in this. And I think we miss it because we're all stressed just trying to get through, just trying to check a box at Christmas. I started thinking about it this way. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season? Now, I get the sentiment behind that. I get it. You know, don't get lost in all the stuff. Come on, keep Jesus the main thing. Focus right. I get what it means. But when you really listen to the gospel story and we look at the story all over again, is that really true? Is Jesus really the reason for the season? When I read the story today, you know what I see? Levi's the reason for the season. Levi's the one Jesus comes to today and says, what? Follow me. So really all messed up. Come on, upside down. Come on, wrong priority Levi. He's the reason for the season. Come on, that ought to be good news for somebody today. Some of you are already thinking ahead. In these next few days, we're going to get everybody together. And you're like, oh, man, we got to get everybody to the house. And some of y'all have some dysfunctional families, don't you? Come on, some of y'all, capital D, I get it, capital D, dysfunction, right? And you're thinking, we're going to get all together. Let's just get through the day without any big drama, any big fight. Can I tell you, when you see that crazy relative that you can't stand, can I tell you, will you look at them and go, they're the reason for the season? (laughs) Isn't that true? Praise God. And can I tell you something today? Because I love you, church. You're the reason for the season. (laughs) And you know what you'd say to the pastor today? Pastor, guess what, pastor? And I would go, I already know I'm the reason. I know. (laughs) Trust me, I know. I know. But isn't that free when you begin to think and feel like that? Come on. Some of you wake up today. It's not raining in here. But you know what? You're going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to grit your teeth and go, man, I got a few more days till Christmas break. And there's going to be this obnoxious employee. And you're like, I can't stand that person. And you need to start looking at that person this next few days and go, they're the reason for the season. They're the very reason Jesus came, right? Man, come on, let's start thinking that way. Let's look at our family members that way. Let's look, at, let's look at our spouse that way. Come on. If we begin to look like that, talk like that, believe like that, all of a sudden it changes. It changes our motivation of how we can come and get through this Christmas. Come on, there's something happened here to Levi. Come on. Levi was marginalized. He was an outsider. He was an outcast. Why? Because he worked for a Roman government that gave him a good paycheck. However, Jesus looked at him and saw him as a person, called him, valued him. And when he began to see he was valued by Jesus, his small life really didn't matter that much anymore. He just wanted to live for Jesus. Come on, his whole adult life, he had been a tax collector. And in one sentence, he lays that down and he's now willing to spend the rest of his life leading people to Jesus. Is that not strong? Come on, as I even think about that, it's just so powerful to think. Why would somebody be willing to take that kind of radical change in that moment's notice? Now, here's the cool thing about the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we call them synoptic because there's a lot of similar stories. Did you know that the writer Matthew and the writer Mark and the writer Luke all include this story of Jesus intersecting with this tax collector named Levi? Mark calls him Levi, Luke calls him Levi, but when Matthew records the exact same story, Matthew's writing an autobiography of his own life, right? It's Matthew, the tax collector. Now, in the Bible, don't they always kind of get different names? And, and sometimes people start with one name and then God gives them a new name. Come on, when Saul gets radically saved, Saul becomes 
Paul, right? And even Simon, right? Simon gets called as a fisherman and he gets called what? Peter, right? You're gonna be Peter. You're gonna be my rock upon you. I'm gonna build my church, right? We see these changes that happen. Well, there's the same guy, Luke, and he's the same guy, Matthew, but somewhere along the line, it changes his name. And when Matthew's telling the story, he says that, that Jesus shows up and meets Matthew, the tax collector. Now, this is powerful. What do you think Matthew means? Matthew means gift from God. I think he sees himself a little bit different once he intersected with Jesus. He now sees himself as a gift from God. Come on, it gets even better. When Matthew continues to tell the story in in chapter 10, he actually lists the 12 disciples. Come on, y'all know the 12 disciples, right? He says these are the names of the 12. The 12. The first one is Simon, who they called Peter, right? And Peter had a brother named Andrew. And then there was James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Then there was Philip and Bartholomew. Then there was Thomas. And then there was Matthew, the tax collector. Come on. Keep going. And then there was James, son of Alphaeus. There was Thaddeus and then Simon the Zealot. And then there was Judas. Oh, yeah, Judas. Judas, the one who betrays Jesus. Now, don't miss this. This gets me excited to think about this. Listen, Jesus didn't come just to save Matthew from his sins. Jesus came to include Matthew to become one of the 12 and his disciples. That is so good. Come on, why does he do that? He's trying to show Israel there's something powerful about what grace and forgiveness looks like. And I'm going to show you by letting Matthew, the tax collector, become one of my disciples. That is so stinking good. You know why? Because if if God can do that through Matthew, there's hope for you and me too. Come on. You're the reason for the season. And so am I. Praise God that God didn't stay in heaven. He came. Why? So that I can come alive, really alive, spiritually speaking, in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what he's telling us? Everybody is somebody. Everybody is somebody. What if you began to see people like that? What could that do in the world that you're in? Everybody is valued. Everybody matters. Everybody deserves a chance to experience the grace of Jesus Christ. Is that not good? Come on, wrap it up. That's what it's all about, isn't it not? And when I look here at this passage of scripture, this gift of invitation motivated Matthew. This kind of love, this kind of acceptance leads him now to turn around and to do something extravagant too. Look at this. Go back to Luke chapter 5. Look at verse 29. It says, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Come on. Levi, that tax collector that made a lot of money, right, exploiting people, he's got all these means. And what does he do? He throws a big party, a great banquet for Jesus. And who does he invite? He invites people that will come to his party. Happens to be what? A large crowd of tax collectors. You got to love that. Hated people love each other. And they come together and they start eating with Jesus and his disciples. Today's our third stop. And this story of Jesus coming and visiting a home. And I want you to see something here because after Matthew receives this invitation and begins a relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden now it changes his motivation. He doesn't want to have his life over God anymore. No, 
He wants to have his life with God. And now that his life is with God, he's received an invitation. What does he turn around and do? He turns around and he's now giving an invitation to everybody in his life that will come to come and what? And to meet Jesus, this guy that's changing him from the inside out. There's something about this gift. When you get the gift, you want to give the gift. And all of a sudden, there's something changing. Now, today, I want you to write down two thoughts for us today. If we're going to talk about this story, I want to wrap up this invitation the way that Matthew wrapped this invitation up. The first thing that he did when he wrapped up this invitation, he wrapped it up with affluence. I know it's a weird word. Go ahead and write it down. He wrapped his box with affluence. What is that? Affluence means wealth. Affluence means treasure. Affluence means your paycheck and your savings and your things. But it's bigger than just your things. Affluence is also your background. Affluence is your education. Affluence is your freedom and your opportunities. Affluence is your mind and your ideas and your creativity. And affluence is what God has gifted you with. Something has changed within Matthew, and now he's wanting to live out that change. Now, let's think about this for a second. In his new relationship with Jesus, he realizes something. His life is now not his own. Man, that's so freeing. He said, I'm not living for me anymore. No way. I'm living for God. I'm living for Jesus. He's changed me. And because he's changing me from the inside out, I don't want to be someone who gets anymore. I want to be someone who gives. That's what happens when you begin to get changed by Jesus. And and what I love about it is Levi's a wealthy man and he now wants to leverage his time and his resources and these moments to what? To invite other people to meet Jesus too. It is so, so strong. Man, up to this moment, he had been living for himself, and now he's wanting to what? Give himself away. I started thinking about how how I might preach this today, because you know what? We all fall into this category. Listen, you might not be a tax collector. I'm not either, but you know what? We have that mindset, that outlook oftentimes as a tax collector. You know, if I was kind of a country preacher, I might say, you know, you got to think about life. You got to think about what God wants for you. Life isn't just about looking good. Life isn't just about feeling good. Life isn't just about getting goods, right? But but in this, isn't it interesting how he doesn't fall victim anymore to seeing his life nothing but status and salary. Now he wants his life to be about serving others. Because Jesus is doing something to his heart and he's changing him from the inside out. So what does he do? I've got all these things. i got all this affluence. I'm going to wrap up this invitation and I'm going to try to get anybody and everybody to come and experience what I've found in Jesus Christ. I love it. I love it. Listen, there's a famous pastor, and I know anytime you talk about a famous pastor from the pulpit, it's got loaded impressions of who they are. But I just know this, this guy's made a huge dent for the kingdom of God. In Southern California and Orange County, there's a guy named Rick Warren that wrote The Purpose Driven Life. And, and I love this because he says when we lead people to Christ, we want them to understand how they are made in Christ. He uses an acronym called SHAPE. He said we want every Christ believer to see how they've been wonderfully and fearfully Made And he says this about them. He says, I want them to know that they've got spiritual gifts. I want them to know that they have a heart. Come on, it's an acronym, shape, a heart. What can they now be passionate about? 
right? I want them to know they've got ability. I want them to know they've got personality. I want them to know they've got experiences. And now all of this, if they'll just surrender that up to the Lord, if they'll just wrap their affluence around what they have in this invitation, they can be used by me. And I can make a difference through them. Isn't that powerful? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Can I show you something else that he used to wrap it up? It's this word influence. Come on, affluence and now influence. What does he do with influence? What is influence? It's how you're connected, right? It's people in your life that are there on purpose. It's people that you have a voice into. It's people that you have a relationship with. There's an influence thing that you have and you can ignore it or you can begin to see it as something that maybe God has given to you for a purpose. Matthew, in this moment of conversion, now all of a sudden is ready to invite anybody connected to his life to come over for the party. Now, I know you thought this song was written later in times, but if we would have leaned in on Matthew and got in his playlist, we'd have heard it. Come on, come on. I got friends in low places where the drowns and the... I can't believe y'all know that song. How dare y'all? Spiritual people. I better preach a little louder today. (laughs) Who shows up at his party? All the other tax collectors who are hated by their families too. Listen, misery loves company, amen? They'll come over. We're the only ones that eat together because we're the only ones that can be together, right? And he says, I got influence, at least for today in their lives. It's not gonna be long, but today I got it and I'm gonna invite them. I'm gonna use what I got. God always calls us to use what we got, not what we don't got. And in this moment, he takes advantage of this moment and he wants all of his old friends to meet his new friend, Jesus. I love this about the story. I love this about the invitation. No longer about getting, now he's focused on giving and he can't wait to give this opportunity to all his friends. Listen, when you begin a faith in Jesus, you know what's gonna happen? He's gonna start to change you. He's gonna start changing your life. Come on, things that you used to bow down to, you're not anymore. You're gonna start surrendering things. You're gonna start changing things that used to have a hold. You're gonna get free. And when you start changing, you know what's gonna happen? Your friend group's gonna change too. They say you only have about a year or two once you meet Jesus to reach some of the old friends of your past while they'll still give you a chance. You know what I love about one of our ministries here? We got this ministry called Alpha. I love how raw and wide open it is. Come on, anybody, everybody is somebody, come on. We wanna tell you about how you can know Jesus. But you know what's the power of, of Alpha is that people spiritually awaken and come alive and give their lives to Jesus and they turn right around. What do they do? They go out and reach their friends and they personally get them and say, you gotta come back and go to Alpha with me again. You know what? I see there's a lot of repeat Alpha offenders because they go get their friends, right? You know what I love? Because God is using Jesus to go to the Jewish world and he's preaching in their synagogues. But if Jesus kept preaching in their synagogues he would never reach that group of tax collectors but by reaching Levi slash Matthew the tax collector now he's got an open lane into all those guys because Matthew is willing to leverage his influence I love it I love it new people invite new people Why do I call people to Christ? Because new people invite new people. Why? Because once they awaken to the fact that they didn't deserve to be forgiven and yet somehow some God, God met them in their mess 
and loved them despite their mess and died on a cross to forgive them of their sins and raise them back up to live, they can't get over that radical moment of grace. Come on, are you with me yet? New believers, new people reach new people. And so you know what that's commentary of? You know why some of you have grown cold in your invitation? It's because you've been a Christian way too long. Hello? Over time, what happens? You forget that salvation story. You forget that you were totally depraved and apart from God and hopeless until Jesus showed up. I like how David says this. Psalm 51, he says what? Restore to me what? The joy of my salvation. In Christmas, we talk about the joy of Christmas. Joy, joy, joy. And some of us, we say we worship Jesus the most, yet there's no joy in our life. Maybe what we need resurrected this Christmas, Christian, is to come back to the joy of our salvation all over again. You know how you get there? Tell your story to somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Tell them how Jesus found you. Tell them how he forgave you. Tell them how he changed you. And you know what? You know, when you start telling that, you know what that does to you? It restores the joy of your salvation all over again. Matthew says, man, I've been invited into something, and now I want to turn around, and I want to leverage my affluence and my influence, and I want to invite others to come and experience it too. Come on. Is this not good? This is what God wants for us. He wants to work through us. And there's something here for us. But somehow along the way, we stop being grateful. The fact that we have been saved by grace. I wonder who this year needs your invitation to Christmas. Can I tell you, you've got to have to push past fear. You're going to have to push past the feeling of being awkward. You're going to have to push past procrastination. God wants you to be an invitation to somebody. Will you be an invitation to invite somebody to experience Jesus this year? Don't miss what God wants to do in you and through you. You see, there's a reason. There's a reason right now that you're in that job. There's a reason right now that you're living in that neighborhood. There's a reason that you were born into that particular family. There's a reason you married into that family. So now let's just give God our influence and let's invite people. Let's wrap it up with what God wants to do. Don't overlook what God wants to do through you. Now look at this, Luke chapter five, look at verse 30. You know this was bound to happen. Here Jesus has been invited to come over to Matthew, Levi, the tax collector, he's going to come to his house and it's going to be a party of tax collectors. And you know who's going to be sitting on the outside watching this happen. Here they are, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect. They began to complain to Jesus' disciples. Here's their complaint. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Once again, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are questioning Jesus' reputation. And once again, Jesus shows us clearly that his mission to invite the lost into a relationship with Christ is more important than his expectation by religion. 
He's showing that he is greater. Come on, I love this Luke in a later story in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19. Remember, he goes to that other, that other tax collector's house. Come on, Zacchaeus, y'all know Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that. Man, y'all knew the Garth Brooks song more than this song. What in the world? Do you remember though when he went to Zacchaeus' house? Do you remember what Jesus said in that moment, what he declared in that moment? Do you remember it? Come on, what did he say? He said, today salvation, Zacchaeus, has come to this house because this man, come on, this man is a son of Abraham. Come on, Zacchaeus is Jewish like all of you. He's the son of Abraham. But for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Can I tell you this? Jesus found Zacchaeus. Can I tell you this? Jesus found Matthew, the tax collector. And the spiritual truth and the spiritual reality, it changed Matthew in such a way that he realized that he mattered. He realized that he had value. And his whole motivation changed because of the invitation that Jesus gave to him. Come on, life with God changes everything, doesn't it? Life with God changes everything everything because he realized that he was saved by grace. I love this. What if we lived by that same leadership principle as Matthew, the tax collector? Let me say it this way. I want you to see it this way. We freely give grace when we know we desperately need grace. Y'all see that? Do you believe that? Matthew, the tax collector does. Listen, we freely give grace when we know that we desperately need grace. Come on, both campuses, say that with me. We freely give grace when we know we desperately need grace. It's powerful, isn't it? What if you went to work and this was your mantra that you lived out in your workplace? What if you went home today in your neighborhood and this was the value you live by in your neighborhood? Come on, some of you that are single, what if this is how you dated? Married people, What if this is how you treated your spouse? You freely give grace. Why? Because you know you desperately need grace. Come on, what could this do to our church if this was the way that we chose to live? Is this hard? Absolutely. But it's possible with Jesus Christ. Paul says we forgive because we have been forgiven. So you're saying in Jesus, I can live this way? Yeah. Matter of fact, in Jesus, we're called to live this way. It's the best way to live. It's what God wants for us. When we know we've been invited and we didn't deserve. Hey, Christians, let me say it this way. We ought to be the best in our environments at forgiving others. We ought to be the best at forgiveness. Why? Because Jesus was the best at forgiveness. But it's hard when it gets real, doesn't it? It's hard when it gets life on life. How can we keep freely giving grace? Don't lose sight of the fact that you 
never graduated from grace. Can I tell you this? The same grace that saved you, you still need. I still need. We will never outgrow our need for grace. So don't lose sight of that. Why? So you can start seeing people as the reason Jesus came to begin with. That's what God wants for us. Will we receive the invitation? You know, when I started thinking about this, there's one more soundbite I want you to hear, and it's verse 31. Jesus answers his critics, and he recast the purpose for his coming when he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the people that think they're living right and good. I came to what? To call sinners to repentance. Can I tell you today, I'm grateful for that part. As Paul would say, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm grateful for that grace, that grace, 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 God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. That's why he came. It's the reason. It's the reason. Do you know that one week from today, we're asking you to invite people to come and experience Christmas with us here at the Mount? We've got six opportunities for you to come, but for you not to come alone, to bring somebody with you so that we can experience Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us here. And I just want to challenge you one more time. Would you be willing to use your affluence? Would you be willing to wrap your influence? And would you be willing to be an invitation to somebody in this next seven days? To me, we should be an invitation all year long, but let's get a reason. We got a reason. This next weekend, we've got a reason, right? Let's invite people to come. And as we need motivation, we can come back to this living, saving truth that it's in a relationship with Jesus. We're reminded of the grace that Jesus wants to give to everybody else in our world and our life. I'm going to ask our worship team and Pastor Andy to come back and, and to help lead us in this closing time together. And even as they come back here, I think about a message like this and, and this gift that we get to see that God, through Jesus, gives to, the, to Matthew, the tax collector. And when I even think about that gift that he opened up, that gift of invitation, I, I know that it invites us into a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. But that's a gift that you just can't keep to yourself. It's a gift that God calls us to turn around and to give. That invitation gift again and again and again. And God wants to leverage this moment. And, and the idea is how can we be motivated to be an invitation to others? And so I'm going to ask you one more time about, about your, your affluence in your life. See, sometimes what we think is a deficiency in our life might be leverage in our life. Come on. God has given each one of you a background. You have walked through some things in your past that are hard. Can God leverage that now for somebody else's rescue? God has gifted you. God has blessed you. God has given you talents. God has given you abilities. God has given you a network of people in your life. And the question is, 
would you give that to the Lord? Would you wrap that up and let the Lord have that through you this year? God has also given you the ability to influence. And I know right now, the enemy will tell you, oh, I'll have more time. I'll have more moments. This influence won't go away. Can I tell you that simply is not true. Influence you have today will not be there forever. You know why I know that's true? Because you won't always be at that job. You won't always be living in that neighborhood. You won't always be seeing that person on a daily basis. That season's going to end. That job will be over. You're going to move to another place here in Virginia or maybe even move out of state. And guess what? When you do, a lot of what you thought you had more time will be over. So is Jesus worth it? In a relationship with Jesus, is his invitation to you worth sharing with others? But this whole grace thing is a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one. I didn't have this to share in the last hour, but I ended up doing it because the Holy Spirit prompted me. And it's heavier in this hour because my wife and Hannah are on this road. But this Christmas, we have had Eli with us. My sister was taken away from me and she had left behind four kids. And Eli, her youngest, has been living with us for the last year. And man, what a difference a year has made. He's got three siblings and they're all off the rails doing things in ways that just break my heart. And he's so longing to have a sibling here. And we've invited, and I almost hated this being online, we've invited Abby, his sister, to come and, and to do Christmas with us this year. I'll be honest with you, humanly speaking, I'm afraid of her coming here. I don't want to undo all the good that God has been doing in his life. She's so broken. She's so hurt. She's so filled with hate. She don't want to have anything to do with us. She just wants to be with him. And yet I know that she's supposed to come. And, and then I hear this message today. And I know God's saying, guess what? That grace that you need from me is the same grace you got to extend to her. She needs to be loved. She needs to know she matters. She needs to know that she's not forgotten. She needs Jesus. She's only going to be with us for a few days. And my prayer is that she would be so overwhelmed with our love for her. But most importantly, she would be overwhelmed with Jesus' invitation to her life. So I ask you humbly to pray. Pray for Abigail. Pray for Abby. Because I know God wants her here with us. I don't know who your Abby is. I'm just telling you how the Holy Spirit's speaking to me this morning. Father God, thank you for the way you meet us right where we are. Thank you, God, that we get a story that you walked right up in the middle of Levi's mess, his reputation, 
his struggles and his pain. And you met him there and you invited him into a relationship and you said, follow me, follow me, follow me. And that invitation was enough to turn and to change his whole world around. God, I pray for that same kind of courage that he showed turning back to his world and and being changed from the inside out that he wanted others to experience that same change, that same grace, that grace that gave him a road to you. And God, I don't want this to be some story in the Bible. I want it to be my life today. Just like you met me, just like you've met many others today, God, you want us to turn around and to be an invitation to those in our life, those in our family. Would you help us, God? And when we get to that point of thinking we can't, Holy Spirit, would you show us that in Jesus we can. That there is nothing that can't be forgiven. There's some pain in this room that's being held on to way too long. And God, because of the grace that we have received from you, we can now freely give. Help us to live this truth out this Christmas. I pray God for invitations this next seven days that we would be a living invitation and that you could use us in a mighty way to live for you. But God, I don't wanna leave a message like this knowing that there's somebody sitting here, there's somebody at Fredericksburg today, there's somebody online that's sitting among us that we just go, oh yeah, they're a Christian already. Yet they know their life and they know their heart and they know they're lost. Yet today, God, you are knocking on the door of their heart and today, God, you found them. And today, they know they're the one and they need to begin a relationship right here today with you. Come on, who am I talking to this morning? I know your heart is racing right now in this moment. Would you just turn to God and say, God, I hear you speaking to me. I need Jesus, tell him that. Say, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Please come into my life. Please forgive me of my mistakes, my sin. Thank you for loving me. And now lead me to be an invitation for someone else. Thank you for saving me. Oh God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the richness of your word, but even more, the power of your presence here today with us. Today, God, you have reached. Today, you have saved. Today, you are changing us. And God, we're thankful for it. But I wanna know if maybe there's a brand new brother and sister in the faith. I'm not gonna drag this out. If you're here today, you just began a relationship with Jesus. You just gave your life to Christ. Quickly, would you do something for me? Put your hand in the air and say, Pastor, that was me. Come on, put it up. Pastor, that was me. Just hold it up for a minute until my prayer team can get to you. If you're online, just hit that button. Say, Pastor, that was me. Father, thank you for the way that you reach and you save. God, we pray in this next week that you will reach and save hundreds of people because of the testimony of Mount Ararat. Use us, God, to be an invitation. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.